you are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lido Dayan, and in today's episode, I had the honor to speak with Miss JJ Virgin. JJ is a TV and media personality who is previously featured as nutritionist for weight loss challenges on Dr. Phil, and she also appears on Dr. O's, The Today Show, and many, many other TV shows. Also, JJ is the author of four New York Times best-selling books, and her most recent one is Warrior Mom, Seven Secrets to Bold, Brave, Resilience. And also, yes, yes, she's doing a lot of stuff. JJ hosts the popular JJ version lifestyle show podcast with over 4.5 million downloads and still counting. JJ is on a mission to help and transform 1 billion lives around the globe. And let's not forget that she is a full-time mother of two. Yes, yes. So, I'm sure you all can learn a lot from this incredible human being and that even though all she been through, which you will hear in our conversation, she been able to keep moving forward. And I believe that's the main key for life. Always being able to move forward no matter what. Don't stay still. Keep moving forward. So, without further ado, let's begin the interview. So, welcome, JJ, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm really honored to have you on my show, finally. <laughs> <laughs> finally? We've yes. been trying for a while? Yes, for like a few months. So, uh, yeah, you're a busy woman, so that, that's cool. Crazy travel schedule, yes. Yes, uh, I, I uh, totally understand and I appreciate your time. So, I would like to start uh, by you uh, telling to my audience a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do, please. Who I am and what I do. Well, I wear a couple different hats, as I think probably most of us do. Um, first and foremost, I'm a mom of two two young men, 21 and 22, who are awesome. Second, I have a big consumer brand all around food and carbon tolerance, things that get in the way of you losing weight and cause you gain weight. So I've done books and TV and, and uh, PBS shows all around that. And uh, then I have a, another company that I uh, started not entirely I wasn't planning to start it I just wanted to get some friends together and share ideas and now I have the biggest um, entrepreneurial group in the health space called Mindshare I've, we've done over 50 million dollars in book advances alone and helped you know probably a couple hundred million people now with all the advice so that I'm super excited about that's amazing and I really like to study the process because many people see you just like they see fit people and they look at the end products. So I would like to know a little bit about your humble beginning. How did you start? What got you to keep on moving? Because as you know, uh, life is not perfect and nothing is a straight line. 
So no, it has definitely not been a straight line. It's like been it's been a lot more of this, <laughs> this yeah. right? A lot more a lot more falling down, but thankfully I keep getting up. Um, but I think entrepreneurial people are born. I think that we uh, have a certain type of crazy that other people don't have. And um, I've been entrepreneurial since a little kid, you know, trying to sell stuff to the neighbors at an early age, you know, like lemonade stands on down. Um, and I started teaching dance in high school, went off to college, and I started teaching aerobics in college and became one of the first personal trainers in the United States because someone asked me to come over to their house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So that's where that all started. It was me and two other guys in L.A., uh, Jake, Body by Jake, and Mark Sisson, who is Primal Kitchen. And uh, from there, I kind of realized that I wasn't going to be able to impact a load of people doing what I was doing because I was working one-on-one. -on -one. So I started searching for how to impact more people. And I started speaking a lot. Next thing I knew, I was on Dr. Phil for two years. And so I started doing a lot more media, TV, books, that kind of stuff. And then again, what came up from that was I needed um, peers to collaborate with and I just couldn't find any. So I started getting them together. But I will tell you that, that all along the way, you know, um, I got my first primetime pilot with ABC. It never even went to air, didn't make it. My first book, my business partner completely, he had me, I signed a contract with him. I wasn't savvy at all into legal things. I signed a 50-50 contract that gave him rights to anything I did for the rest of my life. I had to pay him to go away. <laughs> my next book, no one knows about, barely sold any. You know, so it's just been... A series of I think the universe just gives you tests to see if you're really serious about like doing what you want to do um, there definitely hasn't been anyone ever handing me something and making it easy it's been uh, it's been a struggle but I think when you look at the most successful people out there in the world that's kind of the defining thing you'll see is that they've gone through a lot of stuff and they just kept getting up what was your motive on those times you know, my, my initial motivation was just simply never have to, to have to work for anybody. Like my initial motivation was I value freedom over everything else. And um, I just didn't want to have to work for anybody. And so that was my initial one was to make enough money so I didn't have to go get a job. I saw my friends graduating college and they were getting these jobs and it just sounded horrible. And then once I got that going, I realized, gosh, I just can do so much more. You know, and then it just kept expanding and expanding and expanding. Everybody sits there and they try to find this purpose. And I think your purpose evolves as you see what's possible in the world. Yeah, that, that's uh, awesome. And, and I also wanted to, if you want, of course, to share. I know that your son, Grant, uh, had an accident when he was younger, right? Yes. And that, that like, uh, talk about something giving you a big purpose. <laughs> that one really did. Um <clears throat> For a variety of different reasons. So when my, I have two, two boys, Grant's my older one by a year. And when he was 16, he went out to walk to a friend's house and got hit by a car and no one really saw any of it. We just had a neighbor saw the car drive off. The woman get out of her car, gasp, get back in and drive off. My son was airlifted to the local hospital. He had multiple brain bleeds. He was in a deep coma. He had a torn aorta and 13 fractures, and 
the type of tear he had to his aorta, it was going to rupture if it didn't get fixed, but they couldn't fix it at that hospital. And so they said to us, they said, you just got to let your son go. And my other son at 15, you know, the doctor said, listen, he's never going to survive the airlift to the other hospital. And even if he were to survive that airlift to the next hospital, he's not going to survive the surgery. And even if he were to survive both those things, he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. And my other son looks at that doctor and he goes like, maybe a 0.25% chance. And the doctor said, yeah, that sounds about right. He goes, well, we'll take those odds because it's not zero, right? And uh, so we airlifted him. This was right before my my first big book, The Virgin Diet, was coming out. And I'm the primary financial support for my family. And I invested everything into that book. So if the book didn't go, I was going to be bankrupt. My son's now in the hospital in a coma. I have to be there with them. I'm not going anywhere. But I also know that if I'm going to do what it's going to take to get him to be 110%, which was my commitment to him, that it was going to take a lot of money. <laughs> so I basically launched a New York Times bestselling book, Bedside with My Son in a Coma. And I have pictures of me sitting there with my laptop, and I was just talking to him and talking to him, telling him he was going to be 110%. Turns out his name means warrior. And uh, he said to me, he goes, Mom, the gray man asked me if I wanted to live or die, and I did not want to be here. It was so much nicer over there. He goes, but I kept hearing your voice, so I decided to come back. Wow. It's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always believe they hear you, you know. Um, I've read books about people. I've always been fascinated by comas. And I was like, I know he hears me. I know he hears me. And uh, so literally, I made that commitment. I said, you're going to be 110%. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you there. And, you know, it's interesting. It's been six years and the last couple of months, I was like, gosh, you know, he just seems to be kind of stuck. And I, I kept throwing more things at him. And I finally realized the reason he was stuck was he actually is better than before the accident. Like he got there, you know, mm -hmm. it's time for him, not me, to set his next big goal that he's not broken anymore. He's complete. He's better. <laughs> so so, so while you, you was in the hospital, you are actually uh, started to write the book? No, no, it was all done. That oh, it was, was all done. done. I had um, taken the advance and invested it in a public television show and a lot of marketing for the book. I was starting to do all my interviews. I mean, it was the most busy time is right before your book is coming out. <clears throat> what is something you, you when like looking back uh, that now that you learned from that experience, that event that happened? that reshape yourself or maybe expanded your identity about who you are today? So it is very interesting. <clears throat> when you go through something like that, it completely changes your perspective as to what you can handle and what is possible. Because again, the doctor's like, you've got to let him die. And they kept coming in and saying, oh, he's never going to walk. Oh, he's never going to eat. And I was like, I'm not listening to you. Right? So A, you really do realize that you can create your own reality. But the other part of it is when you go something through something like at that level, you realize that so many of the things that we get so freaked out about are not even worth raising your blood pressure over. Like nowadays for me to get upset about something, it, it takes a lot. Like my litmus test for, is this a problem? Is, is anyone dying? If no one's dying, it is not a problem, right? It can be fixed. So in that way, it just really shows you 
what you can handle. I've had so many people say to me, I could never do that. And my big takeaway from that whole thing is that we are all stronger than we think, that you're never better than when you were challenged, that you really see who someone is when they're challenged. And that in life, we're all going to go through things. I mean, that's, that's kind of, we know that for sure. You will be challenged and it is how you show up. Okay, so we were uh, we talking about uh, that event, and before we continue, I wanted to know, because many people go through those kind of struggles, and some of them, their inner dialogue is not uh, very strong as yours. And I remember when I heard you talking about that, you keep saying that you kept asking yourself better questions, like, okay, what's next? What, what can I do? How can we fix this? So inner question is something... Uh, that can really help us, right? Because if we ask ourselves a lousy question, it's not going to help us. Well, your brain's going to solve whatever question you ask it. So I, when I thought, you know, I'm going to ask the most ludicrous thing of how do I get my son to be 110%, which isn't even possible, um, and see what comes up with that. I'm not going to worry about, you know, at the time, we get so bogged down in what's What's realistic? What can I actually do? How do I, how am I going to get there? I didn't worry about how I was going to get to 110%. I asked how to get there. So the things would show up and it just showed up step and I started taking the first step and the next step and the next step. And there were times that honestly, I was like, I'm crazy. This isn't working. He's not going to get better. I mean, he, you know, brain injuries are very scary things. He multiple times tried to commit suicide, which is really common with brain injuries. And at times I was like, gosh, I don't know. But I had to know that I was doing everything that I could. And so I think in life, think about, you know, the questions. If you say, you know, um, trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a bad question. You know, it's so interesting. It's Why like, does it happen to me? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Because I just never think that way anymore. I, um, you used to? I, so what happened was people keep asking asking me how I was able to go through all that that way and I had had a really amazing coach mentor when I was 30 who was going to help me in business and she spent the first couple months of our business training and she didn't mention anything about business during that time the, the one with the rubber bands the rubber bands oh. yeah <laughs> Yep, first thing she had me do was put those rubber bands on. I'm like, what is this, you know? And uh, anytime I thought of a negative thing, a judgment, a limiting belief, I had to snap that rubber band. And it's amazing how often you think those things. So what's interesting is she taught me to ask the right questions. She taught me to surround myself with positive people, to manage my mindset, that, that there were no victims, only volunteers, that anything is possible, that there's no right and wrong. I mean, all this stuff that at the time I was like, this is the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, but you just, they become so much a part of you that when people were asking me, how did I, you know, how did I know how to do all this stuff? I actually forgot that she trained me in this. I forgot because it just was the way I was. So it just is now, I have designed my world. I'm like never around negative people unless like I'm on a plane and someone's sitting next to me and then, you know then I put on my headset you know I just don't I control my environment so carefully now and the people I spend time with that I just I'm not around them so you know it's like to the point where I can't think of the question like why did that why is this happening to me 
I would ask in a way if amazing things were happening. It's like, you know, how can I make more of this happen to me, right? I just couldn't think that way anymore. Like change can happen to all of us, right? It's just a matter of uh, decision and being able to surround yourself in the right environment because if you don't, then no matter how motive you are, it's gonna drag you down. I can see it uh, myself. I, I try to change so many times and like I got like a little bit good and then for a little bit good and then for, uh, but I think it's part of it. No, you, you gotta realize that you're not gonna be perfect and when you want to change, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take time. <clears throat> Your natural tendency is gonna be to slip back. I think the single most important thing that you can do to support wherever you're going is to surround yourself with people who are already there. I think community is the most critical thing here. When this all happened with Grant, I reached out. I had an amazing community who helped me. And when I told them what my plan was, no one said, oh, you're a nutcase. They started giving me all the ways they knew to get him better, right? So I think who you surround yourself. Think about what Jim Rohn said, that your income's the average of the five people you hang out with. I think it's, the income's just a symptom. I think your mindset, you know, your impact, everything has to do with the type of people you hang out with. You'll, you are who you hang out with, right? Yes. Yes, totally right. And I know we're short in time, so I want to uh, a little bit touch about uh, your uh, entrepreneurial life, your business. And uh, you were able to create an amazing brand. And I wanted to ask yourself, because as you know, uh, in business it's about marketing and innovation. And you've been here for many, many years and you're still relevant. So how can you still stay relevant and innovate in a world full of competition when everybody is like, I have this secret and this secret? <laughs> I know. And it changes all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We talk about that. Like what we did... Like eight, nine years ago, you could actually send an email out to your list, they would open it, and you could invite them to a teleconference and they'd come to it. You know, I mean, it's so different. So I, I was thinking about that as to what makes some people the flash in the pan, the one hit wonder, and what makes some people last. And I know what the secret is, and it's all about community. When you build a really strong community, of people where they all have a voice and they all have a role and you genuinely care about them, you know them, you know who they are and you talk to them, then you have staying power and you listen to them. Like I know exactly what my community wants in both my consumer brand and in the Mindshare brand and I actually started a new, um, a new uh, group of women entrepreneurs. I know exactly what they want because I spend time with them and I talk to them and I then introduce them to each other so they People will stay, they'll come for a strategy, they're not going to stay because of that. They're going to stay because of the connections, because of how it makes them feel, because they now have a sense of belonging and significance. And, you know, that's going to outlast some email autoresponder or some new, you know, bot hack or whatever that comes up. Those things are come and go. By the time you try to take advantage of one, it's gone. But, you know, the real depth of knowing your audience, caring about your audience, and consistently delivering good content to them, that never gets old. I think it's it's very true because uh, I used to attract the wrong people. And I, I remember I, I recently heard uh, Russell Branson talked about it, and he said it's like uh, uh, ending uh, with people that you don't really like and uh, you go out with them to a pub and you don't like them at all. So that's the worst thing, right? To be in a business 
with the wrong people, the wrong audience. So yeah. how, how do you attract those people that... Uh, I, I think it's maybe your... Uh, the person that you were before you change. So this is the kind of person you, you're attracting because you're trying to change yourself and by that you're attracting people like you. You know, it's interesting. We are... I am so clear of who the demographic, who the avatar is in each of my three businesses. And as much as we want to attract the right person, we also want to repel the wrong person. Like, for example, in my consumer business, we, it's, it's basically, it's 90% women. They're 45 to 65 years old. Um, most of them are married. They have kids. They're older. I can describe them all. I, I, you know, it's like we all get together. It's basically like you're looking at the same woman. They're all very similar. But the common trait they share is that they're all very proactive about their health. They take personal responsibility. They're not victims. They're not trying to blame it on someone else. They're not trying to pass off, you know, and go, can you just tell me what to do? I don't want to learn anything about my body. And we actually are creating more information out there to take the person who's the victim, who's the poor me, who's like, you know, life never works for me. I don't want to serve those people. They aren't my people. I don't want them in my tribe. There's some tribe form somewhere, you know, the pity party tribe, but it's not my tribe. And in the health entrepreneur space, it is really, uh, I've put together a group of people who are dedicated to helping each other who don't see someone in a similar space as a competitor. They see them as a powerful collaborator and partner. And so I've created a space there where someone comes in and steals content or puts people down or tries to compete directly. They're out They're like they would, they wouldn't even want to be in the group, but if they were in the group, they'd be out pretty quick. So I think it's, that's the real key is getting so super clear about your core values, your guiding principles and who you want to attract. And also, be, you know, come from abundance. Realize that you're not going to serve everybody, that you're going to turn some of these people off, and that's good. You know, I just spoke somewhere, and I got the highest ratings and the lowest ratings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the people who put the conference on goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I go, because it wasn't my typical audience. The audience in there who were my people were so excited. But the people who were like the, oh, poor me, this is never going to, they're not going to like me because I'm going to call them on their stuff, you know? Mm -hmm good <laughs> yeah yeah and you you said it really really good uh, come from abundance many of us comes from scarcity and when we come from scarcity it's like yes buy from me buy from me and you just try to sell to anybody but when you are coming from abundance mindset you understand that this world is full of people and there are so many people that actually need our help yeah so help the ones that that if you had a party you want them all to come over to your house and hang out mm -hmm. right yeah. You know, if you don't want them, they shouldn't be in your community. I mean, if they don't, it's it's crazy. Like, I will see people, I'll be doing a, a, a Facebook or Instagram live and someone's being like snotty and I'm like, hey, I'm taking you off my planet. You know, this clearly isn't a fit, go somewhere else. Like, just leave. You know, team knows, like, minute I send you that, they're out, remove them. I also wanted to ask you, uh, because uh, I remember uh, hearing uh, you uh, talking with Tom Bilyeu and you talked about forgiving yourself and I know it's something that's very hard for most of us and when we face some sort of challenges in our life or we try to achieve and it's really hard for us because we are holding on into something for too much long. So what is something that you hold for many, many uh, time and then you actually 
moved on and actually started to forgive yourself for not achieving that or doing something? Huh. Um, so I'd say in the achievement arena, I actually have like was too much of an achievement chaser. So I kind of would let that, that would not be the thing, but, um, I had a couple people work for me and that I used to say they wronged me. They cheated, they lied, they did all this kind of stuff. But the reality is I hired them. It's just like when you're in a bad relationship, you're like, wait, did someone, or did you have a forced marriage? You know, it's like, I don't think that's happening here. I chose those people. I put them into the roles and shame on me, my bad for not monitoring it, discussing with them, making sure they were hitting their marks. And so I had all this anger and grudge and stuff because it, you know, cost a lot of time and money to have the wrong people in there. And then I kind of went, wait a minute, A, the person I have to really forgive is myself for not paying the attention I should have paid, for not being the leader I needed to be, right, with those people. And that's where I really, that was where I really had the most energy. And that's where I think we really have to pay attention to know if we need to go through and forgive. And I think the misunderstanding about forgiveness is people think they have to call someone and forgive them. No, it, forgiving really has nothing to do with the other person. It's how you feel about them. And ultimately what you'll probably find is it's how you feel about yourself. And forgiveness is something, a process you do. I describe it in the book, The Warrior Mom, that you go through yourself to really let that energy go and get free of that situation and be able to reframe it in a way so that you have empathy, which is one of the most powerful things we can have is empathy. And to understand what your role was in this, where they came from in this, there was, you know, there was, there's always two sides to everything and then what you can do better next time. So the situation won't happen. Mm. And, and you can also do it to yourself, right? Like forgiving yourself. Because sometimes you want to do this, this, and then you procrastinate and you are beating yourself up again and again and again. And see, I think, you know, you just said something really interesting. I've reframed procrastination because maybe procrastination is one of the most powerful things that we could have that we really need to study. If I'm procrastinating something, there's a reason. It may be because I shouldn't be doing it at all. It may be because um, I haven't created the project in a way that's actually doable, you know? So that's a different one. If you're procrastinating something, I think we need to look at why are you procrastinating it? And maybe it should be something that you should remove off your, <laughs> off your plate altogether. If you've got anger, judgment, energy around something, that's where you really have to look at and go, you know, who am I angry at? What do I need to do? I, again, I have a process for forgiveness that you can go through that completely sets you free because you know, you being angry at someone doesn't hurt them. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I know we're short in time. And before I, I go to do my last questions, uh, you are a fitness expert. So of course I will have to ask you something about fitness. I come from fitness as well. Uh, so um, I, I want to, to ask you a little bit about food. Like what's your key point on food? Because there are so many stuff, intermediate fasting, paleo, and um, what would you suggest to the average uh, Joe, if we call him like that, uh, to eat, to be aware, or maybe avoid? All right, so here's the most important thing about all that. Here's my theory on, on all these diets. First of all, we need to have two different words. You know, I think what do the Eskimos have like a hundred different words for snow. We need to have a word for diet, and then we have a, 
need to have a word for the way we eat every day, right? Like our daily eating plan. And I think that if we started to look at all these different diets, what we'd find is that every guru out there touting their diet probably genetically is perfectly suited to the diet that they're touting, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right diet for you. When we're looking at how we should be eating, you've got to take into account your genetics and your epigenetics. That means what has happened to your body and your genes from what you've done. What's your lifestyle like? What are your tastes and preferences? And what's currently going on with your health that you need to resolve or maybe outcomes or goals that you have? So you have all of that. With that information, you use diets therapeutically to learn something about your body or to make a change. So like I have two diet books. They're not meant to be the way you eat forever. They're meant to take you through a process where you're your personal health detective so that you learn with the virgin diet you know, which foods work for you and which foods don't, where you might have a, you might have a food intolerance. With the sugar impact diet, it's to learn how many carbohydrates should you really eat. If you are wanting to test keto, you need to go through a process to prime your body before you do it. Ditto intermittent fasting or fasting. So that book was set to take you through a process to get you to the point so that you could do a ketogenic diet or you could do intermittent fasting or fasting. And that's what I think we should look at with these diets. You can play around with more carbs, less carbs. I do think in general, um, we are better off eating what Dr. Mark Hyman calls a pegan diet, um, closer to our ancestral nutrition, with more plants, with the less processed as possible, close to nature as possible, and eating a lower carb, higher fat, moderate protein diet, eating less, less often, doing some intermittent fasting because 100 years ago, we would not have had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we definitely would have had snacks, you know, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. So I think all of that is super important, but then I also think that you have to take charge of yourself and really listen to your body, and it's going to be different for you at 20, 30, 40, 50. It's going to be different if you're a man. It's going to be different if you're a woman and your genes. So all of that comes into play. And do you think that you can develop good tolerance, like for example for carbohydrates, if you are eating carbohydrates and you are uh, moderated and then you put a little bit more and more, your body actually have better tolerance to it, especially if you're very active. Well, so food intolerance, you can develop an intolerance to different foods, the top ones are gluten, dairy, eggs and soy at any time and since people become intolerant due to stress, gluten, fructose, a lot of different medications, super common. With carb intolerance, it actually works the different, the opposite. If you eat more and more carbs, you are likely to become more and more insulin resistant. You'll become more intolerant, not more tolerant to carbs. The, if you're more active, your body is more forgiving. You have more metabolic flexibility. But what you really want to create is a state where your body is very metabolically flexible, where you could go a day without eating and not freak out. You could do a day where you overate and you didn't gain weight. You could do a day where you ate more carbs and you'd be fine or ate more fat and you'd be fine because your body can quickly adapt to using fat for fuel, carbs for fuel, even protein for fuel, ketones for fuel, and be fine, right? So that's where you really want to be. And that really means that you need to get your basics right, again, more vegetables, lower carbs, uh, clean protein, healthy fats, eat less, eat less often, and then start to incorporate some things like fasting in like that. But 
the more carbs you eat, you actually would become, it would become more of a problem, unless you're an extreme athlete, in which case you can get away with a lot. Okay, so all this stuff that you just talked about and becoming aware and Sherlock Holmes and really know all of that, uh, that's in your book, right? What's the name of the book again? So it's in Virgin Diet and Sugar Impact Diet. I talk about those. And then I talk about them on my podcast. A lot of this is kind of a new, it's sort of the next book that I need to write, you know, that's, that's brewing right now. Oh, awesome, awesome. Uh, so where can people find you, of course? Uh, jjvirgin.com. Easy. Okay. And what would be the legacy you would like to leave? That's the last question I always ask. I'm going to help a billion people get healthy. And clearly I can't do that on my own, which is why I have created this community of health experts who collaborate. And I think we're probably at about 500 million so far. So that is my big driver at this point. And then also to you know, make my kids proud of me and help them be, uh, create their own legacy out there in the world. Don't you think they're proud of you so far? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're pretty proud of me. <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? I am proud of myself, actually. Um, wasn't for a long time, but I think going through a lot of what I went through with grants really showed me who I was and what was important. And, you know, it's really interesting. I And then my business, my consumer business, I hit all the goals and I kept trying to make bigger goals. And I really realized that doesn't matter at all. Like my biggest dreams and aspirations now are to spend more time with the people I love and to help more people get what they want and achieve what they want in life. And that's the stuff that makes me proud. That's awesome. Man. I really wish you the best. And I want to thank you for that time that you gave me and my audience. Uh, so uh, thanks again JJ you're doing an amazing job and if uh, lately nobody told you you're actually you're you're awesome you're awesome you're an amazing woman and a great inspiration for a lot of women uh, to actually step up and uh, really to, to do more create more and there is no difference between men and women today and women are uh, very very strong and this is how it's supposed to be so you're a great leader Well, thank you. I love that. I appreciate that. Awesome. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for one, Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number 4. Train others. Because just like I always says, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together and by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. 
Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.